0: Welcome back to another edition of our Finding Our Way podcast, uh, our Southridge member conversation. And uh, this week, I'm uh, just really thrilled to have a special guest with us uh, our now friend and uh, pastor of Ada Bible Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Jeff Mannion. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Hello, and Jeff, it has been just a blast to be with you guys this weekend uh jeff has visited us this past weekend meaning the vision night weekend and uh shared with us so if you missed that talk you can go online and and uh, search that out but uh, we're going to take the conversation a little deeper before we do um you, you made some comments in your message to us uh about just your personal background yeah. how you got into ministry uh your family relationship your wife and kids and whatever can you just give us a bit more of a picture of kind of who you are, where you come from? Yeah, sure. Uh,
1: my growing up years, uh, Western states of the United States, uh, my father, mother, they were church planters in Idaho. And so I grew up in a pastor's home in a church planting house, um, 18, went to Bible college, felt uh, a call to go into ministry of some sort. Uh, Jeff, I wasn't sure whether it was a youth pastor or a missionary somewhere, and uh, ended up being uh, becoming a senior pastor at Ada Bible Church. In Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it's where we've been for the last uh, thirty. My goodness, we're in our thirty-sixth year. Thirty-five so, uh, years, I love it. Yeah, so our whole our whole ministry has been in one one uh, location. My wife, Chris. We have three uh, adult children, uh, you know, like thirty, thirty-one, thirty-two age, or we're pretty close together,
0: and then three grandkids right now. I'm sure that's becoming more of a part of your life these days. We love it, <laughs> man. We absolutely love it. Um, back, just for for fun, back when you were twenty one, yeah, and finding yourself kind of invited into this full time ministry, uh, anything unique or special going on there that you can recall? It's just kind
1: of interesting. My father, my father would uh, start in a town in Idaho, heavy populated Mormon areas. Think the Utah. Idaho border, and so my dad would usually start with like two couples that wanted, that thought they wanted a church in that town, a non-LDS, non-Mormon church, and so my dad would start with no funding and no people. The first time I spoke at Ada Bible Church, they were already meeting in a house structure, um, there were 20, 25 people there the first weekend, and they were already taking offerings. And so when they asked me to stay as their pastor after the church planner resigned, I thought I was cheating.
0: Yeah. Because skipped a process. I,
1: yeah, it's like, wait a minute, you're not supposed to have money and people. So <laughs> I guess what I'm saying is that for a, a underfunded group of 20, 25 people... My upbringing tailor-made me for that situation, which is just kind of start from scratch, scratch it out, you know, and uh, uh, watch things happen over yeah, time. Yeah, you
0: weren't under any illusion that this wasn't a grind. Yeah, I did. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's cool. Um, let's dive right in then to uh, the conversation I'm interested in having, and that is all around digging in deeper to dream big, think small. Yeah, This book uh, and your talk, Jeff, have been such a blessing to our church. C- can you give us a bit of a background of where this came from? Did you just one day wake up with this idea of dream big, think small? Was that tattooed on your arm as a 21-year-old? or
1: Yeah, I, I, I really believe that it came out of our 35-year journey in the church. And uh, Jeff, there's been, uh, there have been seasons where we experience what I would call sudden breakthroughs. There's been rapid growth for a period of time. We move into a building and uh, we break through to a new a- attendance level or outreach opportunity. Those are always bracketed by lengthy stretches of just chipping away. And so what, where my heart was in this book was particularly for young ministry leaders, someone stepping into ministry for the first time, either as a staff person or as a key volunteer. And my take on this, Jeff, is we're increasingly part of a culture that is addicted to immediacy. We are allergic to boredom, and we have lost our respect for the grind, that just faithful showing up over and over and over and trusting God to work. Uh, Craig Rochelle spoke a few years ago at the Willow Creek Summit. He's speaking to older leaders and younger leaders. One of his words to younger leaders was that he experiences that they um, generally uh, overestimate what can be done in a very short period of time, And they underestimate the value of a lifetime of faithfulness. And so this big, uh, this dream big part of dream big, think small, is just have great dreams, big dreams. But the think small is getting out of bed, putting on your boots, loving people and serving people again, and just really applying ourselves to um, normal, good, loving and serving consistently over time. And then you trust God for the spectacular,
0: (laughs) when and if He chooses to bring that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Was there ever a time in your ministry history where you had to learn that lesson the hard way, where you tried a big play and thought, this is gonna be spectacular, and we're gonna see thousands saved and thousands loved, and then you didn't and realized, actually, the way God delivers greatness is through the chronic consistency of faithfulness.
1: Yeah, what what I have experienced again and again is that big event whether it's the Easter service, where you feel like you've got all your chips on the table at the Easter service, massively uh, consuming in time and energy. You would tell people to invite people and they come. And guess what? The next week you're doing church seven days later. (laughs) And, And so it's understanding that the big event, the big event can be catalytic but if that person returns, if they make a decision in return, you're right back to the grind yeah, yeah. of the daily discipleship and weekly service planning and getting them into a life group or into a small group, attaching them to a service opportunity. So even these, these big monstrous events, they still have a tendency to uh, dump out or overflow mm-hmm. back into just the daily work of ministry.
0: And how do, how have you over the years, uh, kind of linked that or or seen this value, uh, kind of represented in the very essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Because when I think about you talking about the big yeah. event and that sort of thing, I, you know, when I look at what Jesus invited people into, yeah, there were big events and yeah. you know, thousands fed and that that kind of thing, but yeah. but it was it was always. A two-word invitation: Follow me, mm-hmm. follow me. At, at a lifestyle level, and so I'm uh, thinking about that because even when we have a big Easter service or that sort of thing, yeah. you know, we view it around here as the opportunity to kind of invite people into this lifestyle. But we're clear that it's actually a daily moment by moment lifestyle. Always, that we're inviting it always comes into. back
1: to the day to day. Yeah. Um, uh, imagine a a regional uh, financial conference, a Dave Ramsey type thing. Guru comes in, rents an arena, people come, um, animated, enthusiastic, energetic, get your financial world together. Six months later, the person whose financial world is radically changed isn't um, the one who is amped up at the conference. It's the one who actually sat down and wrote a budget, actually started to implement that budget, actually put themselves on a course of rapid debt payoff. And so they look back and say- Actually
0: involve people in their accountability, uh, their encouragement. Financial
1: peace group, whatever. They look back and say, that conference changed my life. And you go, no, it didn't. Uh, That conference was a catalyst- for stirring yeah. up something that generated the day after day, the paycheck after paycheck after paycheck yeah. discipline. And so I think that the, the big event, whatever it is, uh, can be catalytic. I don't discount those. Energizing, catalytic, motivational, but it still comes back to the what am I going to yeah. do? So the day-to-day walk walk with Jesus. I mean, everyday awakening and saying, my gracious God, I'm thankful for
0: these things, and I need your help. Here I am again. I need your help again, you know yeah I hope our members are tracking with this that it's 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 not the big event that changes your life. It's the big event that can trigger yes, a lifestyle of transformation absolutely. and it's the lifestyle of chronic consistency. I just yep. have grabbed hold of that phrase from your book, and i I love it that lifestyle of chronic consistency and faithfulness that mm. God blesses and and uses um I found it interesting. When I, when I went into your book th- the first time, and uh, at this point, Jeff, I've gone through it, you know, uh, three different wow, times. Wow. I, I know that you said to me back in the summer that it would take <laughs> four times to actually generate anything productive in my heart Most character. people only two. You, Jeff, yeah. I, maybe five. <laughs> yeah. Four, maybe five. So I've done it three times. And, uh, it, I mean, it strikes me just that the structure of the book yeah. in devotional form is five days a week for six weeks— I didn't want people, I
1: didn't want people to read it on a long flight. If someone's a rapid reader and they can burn through the, I don't know, it's a 200 pages or something like that. I wanted the format of the book to match the message of the book. Yeah. And the message of the book is bring your best self day after day after day. And so I wanted to, people to nibble away at like four to five page chapters. And so it's not 30 chapters, it's 30 days. Yeah. And so someone can walk through it over the course of six weeks and then really nibble, ruminate,
0: actually have a shot at implementing something that they're reading. Yeah, I really appreciated that in the spirit of, like you said, there, there's a famous Canadian named Marshall McLuhan who once yeah, said, the yeah. medium is the message, Yes. right? Yeah. The medium is actually more the message. And, and I appreciated that so much in your book that mm-hmm. the medium of this slow and steady faithful journey for six consecutive weeks is actually going to have greater impact than just burning yeah, through a book. Yeah, burning through a book. And say, yeah, that was awesome. we got a couple of good ideas yeah. on that. Yeah. Um, re- related to that, at a, at a personal kind of followership level, how have you seen the role of spiritual practices in undergirding this whole life of daily moment-by-moment faithfulness? Absolutely critical. Um, I want
1: to quote two passages, one from Old Testament, King Solomon, where he says, uh, above all else, guard your heart, for out of your heart flows everything else. And in Jesus, I think it's Luke chapter 6, where Jesus says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And what that means, Jeff, is that when I'm blasting into a day and I have impatient words and careless words, it's not just a word problem, it's a heart problem. Um, that day, I have an impatient heart, and so I find a need on a daily basis to get my heart dialed in before I go into meetings and inflict myself on those unfortunate people who have the misfortune of coming in contact you have to with me. me for that day. Yeah. yeah, and so if I can sit down in the morning and I can go, uh, gracious God, I do this. I say I'm thankful for these three things. I've just got this discipline of um, uh, gratitude where three, spe- not my house, my car, my food, my house, my car, my food, yeah. my house, my car, my kids, my food, but uh, <laughs> a specific food item that I had, a specific conversation that I had, an email from a friend, an article of clothing uh, that, that I enjoy, uh, the, the, the sun breaking through a cloudy Michigan day, you know, whatever yeah. it happens to be. And in addition to that, I ask the question, how's my heart? Am I mad, sad, glad, uh, excited, afraid, ashamed? And I just try to say, how's your heart today? And so um, there are days when I feel a disruption. I'm already amped up and I don't even know why. I'm already nervous and it's not the caffeine. And I go, is it a board meeting later today? Is it an interaction? Is it that I feel behind? Is it that I feel like I've got deadlines closing in and I'm fearful that I'm, I'm going to disappoint people or myself and not meeting those deadlines? And so just the daily space to go, okay, Mannion, how's your heart uh, and asking God, the fruit of the Spirit in, yeah, in the yeah. book of Galatians, fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control, and go, okay, I need peace today, and I need, I need patience today. And this is not the, get, this is not the fruit of Jeff. Yeah. It's not the fruit of Bobby. This is the fruit of the Spirit. This is God doing something in me that I could never pull off on my own to that degree. And I think God doesn't do that for me, but he does it in me. And it works in me. And so um, the daily practice of saying, I'm so grateful for these items. See, because if, if I could uh, say a word about this, it, it's not just that gratitude is a good thing. Jeff, it's what gratitude pushes out. Exactly. Gratitude is an obsession with what is going right. Gratitude pushes out complaint and anxiety and envy because complaint is an obsession with what is going wrong. Yeah. Uh, uh, anxiety is an obsession with what might go wrong and envy is an obsession with what is going right for everybody else but me me. (laughs) and the ability to say I'm thankful for this this and this I don't think it's just well gratitude is good and thankfulness is good but I find it pushing out some of these darker edges that have a tendency
0: to move in and encroach. Oh, that's fantastic. I hope our members are tracking with this because, you know, in our Sunday morning environments, in addition to worship and teaching and things, you know, we've tried to create these spaces to be what we call a spiritual gymnasium. Yeah, we experienced that. We've To experience that exercise this our yeah. spirits in certain spiritual practices, yeah. both to experience that in, in this gathering together, but also to teach us ways in which we can do this at home. And yeah. what I'm hearing from you is... Both the discipline of gratitude yeah. and the discipline of reflection of yeah. just auditing what am I feeling, yeah. what's in my heart, and where other than the caffeine, like yeah. where is that coming from? Those seem so simple and almost offensively remedial. Yeah. But they're the they're the ball game when it comes to this chronic consistency and faithfulness of a life in Christ.
1: Jeff, it's like a basketball player shooting hundreds of free throws in an empty gym. Where nobody's applauding, and nobody's you know no no cameras are whirling, and they're just there shooting free throw after free throw. Pianist
0: with the keys,
1: going through scales. It's it's basic, and it um, and the word I use is 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 filling. So the self audit, I, I just assume a depletion in my life through the the battering and anxieties of life. And what I do is I I really am asking God to give me a fresh filling for that day. Not so that I'm full. But as I try to pour into other people, it's really hard to pump water from a dry well. Yeah. And so I need God to fill me as
0: I attempt to pour out into others. I love that. Even just the the, the baseline assumption that this day delivers depletion. Oh, yes. Yeah. That yeah. That, that, that assumption. This day is not going to gift me with filling. Yeah, I've got to get filled in Christ so that I can be part of filling others and expect to be depleted in yeah, that. Yeah, if I walk
1: through my day as a person who is dry and drained, I'll have completely different yeah, interactions yeah. than someone who is being filled.
0: Um, I want to dig in a little bit to uh, some of the points that you made in your talk, which mm-hmm. which were a little bit different. I know you alluded to all of this in the book, but it was, it was maybe organized a little bit differently because you talked about... Kind of these four main challenges yeah. to faithfulness. I love this, and when I heard this for the first time last year in the UK, I mean, this is what really gripped my heart. These these challenges, and so I just want to kind of walk through them again and review, and maybe we can kick them around a little uh, a little more deeply. The the first one is this challenge of sameness. Yeah, um, to to members of our church, both in our kind of personal lives with Christ, but also in our different ministry areas around here. Uh, kind of inspires in in that challenge when so often we find sameness to just be a grind that we endure. Yeah. I, I believe that it takes
1: time to get good at something and that some of the things that we become proficient at, well, simply, Jeff, they will require that we do pretty much the same thing over and over and over and over. I'm thinking here of the mom or dad that tuck a child in at night. Maybe say a prayer and say, I love you. And they leave the room and they go, how many hundreds of times have I tucked this, have I tucked this child in? Um, uh, one of my friends that I, I happen to, to bike with, he is an outstanding eye doctor in our city. I say, Phil, how many patients do you see a day? He goes, ah, you know, 40 patients a day. So I'm going 200 a week. Yeah, about 200 a week, 12,000 patients a year. He has very much the same conversation, warmly greeting the person, uh, giving them an eye exam, trying to, you know, but he has the same conversation variations uh, in it 200 times a week. Every time, again. Every time. My medical doctor, I grieved when my family doctor retired. The door would open, Dr. Lang would walk in, he would get eye contact. He never felt rushed, even though he had to see X number of patients a day. I didn't want someone who had never done it before. I wanted someone who had been doing this for 40 years at a clip of. And so I we appreciate Jeff, we appreciate the barista that has been at that coffee, that that espresso machine for four years and knows how to make a cappuccino. We appreciate the medic, but there's a grind to bring yourself again and again and again. And so this holy redundancy in ministry and in life, uh, I just say just don't ask God for the grace to continue to do
0: often the same thing with fresh energy. Are there practical ways that you can remind and inspire people at Ada in your ministry of the holy redundancy of the contributions that they're making to expand the kingdom?
1: Yeah, it's, it's a theme that never goes away. Uh, honestly, I don't know that I am uh, uh, as creative as I could be to bring it up or as systematic. Mm-hmm. And so I know it's a theme that returns again and again, uh, but we attempt to honor it and we attempt to champion it. But I don't know that we've got it down to a, a system a systematic uh,
0: structure where we say, you know, no more than four weeks go by.
1: You know, yeah. Where that's, we that,
0: I mean, people. that uh, in my seat, that's what I'm I'm wrestling yeah. with as I'm listening to you. I'm thinking about the center aisle usher. Yeah. I'm thinking oh, about yeah. the, oh, yeah, the yeah. pair yeah. of guys in the parking lot. Yeah. I'm thinking about the bass player, the grade two small yeah. group leader who's sitting on that mat Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the, the people who count the offering yeah. on Tuesdays. Every week, I mean, we've had people do that literally for decades in some cases, and and you know just to to figure out better ways to identify, celebrate, honor, and appreciate the holy redundancy. Yeah. That's a, that's a phrase I'll 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 take with me um, because that's that's everything. It, as far re- as it really it really is. I'm on, a, on, a, on a
1: personal level, I thank as many servants as I can. Let's say each weekend when I go, hospitality greeters at the door. I mean, thanks thanks for serving today. Um, I, I wonder if that could be something that could be championed at a global level where, listen, never walk out of this building without thanking five people who showed up and served you know, this weekend, whether it's a midweek thing or a thing during the week.
0: Um, next challenge you talked about was the challenge of rest. This yeah. was something I was personally, uh, really into when we were traveling in the UK together. Yeah. I wanted to find out knowing around here, we've talked about the discipline of a Sabbath, yeah. talked about the importance and that it's God's gift to us, you know, sort of, <laughs> yeah. you know, you weren't made for the Sabbath, the Sabbaths was made for you kind yeah. of thing. Um, but, you know, really finding it difficult to navigate in my own life, the The alternative to do list, you know, yeah. the haircuts, the grass cutting, the chores around the house, car wash, whatever, and yeah. all all of that stuff. And so uh, what what, you, what often happens
1: when a person says we started practicing Sabbath means, for some people, I stopped going into the office that day. Or stop spending all day doing work email. Instead, I simply pick up a second to do list, which is the household to do list. That is
0: that was everything for me. Yeah. So I, I, you know, getting very practical. I was asking you back in the UK, like, so h- how do you organize your life yeah. so that that one day is literally a get to, not a have to day?
1: A couple things. One is that it took us probably six months to figure this out as a couple. Mm. Learning rest was like learning a new musical instrument. When you pick up a French horn or a violin, it's just going to sound bad for some stretch of time before it sounds like notes, much less beautiful notes. And so I don't want people to have the uh, expectation that, oh, Sabbath is next Friday, and immediately that Friday or Saturday or Sunday, whatever it happens to be, ours is Friday because I preach Saturdays and Sundays, um, that you will know what to do and that it will... So there's, there's a trial and error that what truly gives us rest, and it's going to feel wrong if you are in, if you are an achiever and you're measuring six days a week by what you accomplish and by what you achieve, and then you hit that seventh day and you go, no, 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 today is a completely different scorecard rather than being measured by, this is a day of not achieving, this is a day of not of achieving the world. non-achievement, achievement, yeah. and so just the brain work in getting your brain around that is huge. But something that Chris and I have found helpful is I begin preparing on Thursday for Sabbath on Friday, so that um, if it's if it's a warm weather, it's in the summer, I get the bikes out and put air in the tires, uh, make sure everything's inflated, so that. If I get up on Friday and say, oh, do you want to go for a bike ride? Yes. I'm not running down to a hardware store to get an inner tube. Okay, if if we're going somewhere and we need cash, I try to get cash the day before. Uh, I try to take care of those things in preparation for Sabbath so that Friday morning for us doesn't begin with an obstacle course Oh, I got a wedding on Saturday. Yeah. After we drop off the suit at the cleaners, after we get some cash, and after we run by and get the bikes, and then the two and a half hours later, you, you know, after this obstacle course, this steeplechase, then you can begin. Yeah. For families with small children, this is critical because just finding shoes <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, to get them out the door oh, for school. Oh, we're just going to
1: have a leisurely breakfast. Great, there's no eggs. It's the little things like that yeah. to be able to say, okay, if we want to have a leisurely breakfast on whatever it is, Sunday morning, Saturday
0: morning, uh, some prep. And so, part of our learning Sabbath was learning the day before Sabbath. Yeah, this was very convicting and frankly inspiring to me because in 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 our attempts at Sabbath, Becky and I, you know, we would try to be organized, but you know, truth be told. All of our car services were booked on Fridays because it was yep. convenient. All of our dentist appointments, all yep. of my, my haircuts, like at a very practical level, all of that alternative got to-do list dumped into got dumped into Friday. And and the discipline we had to do in preparation for yep. Sabbath was to organize those commitments In the interstitial spaces of the rest of our week. And just to, again, you talked about reframing your scorecard to say, this is going to be a success if we can actually achieve no things today.
1: If I wake up in the morning and say, there's nothing I have to do, there's no place I have to go, this is a day about get to, not have to, Um, there's a beauty in that over time. <laughs> yeah, amazing, amazing. Jeff, I believe it's been really sustaining in my life. Again, three and a half decades in the same ministry. I don't feel burned out. I don't feel like I'm looking for an exit ramp. I feel like I'm still all in with my church. And if someone questioned, dude, how do you pull off energy at this point, I would point to our Sabbath breaks as being critical to still being able to love and serve and lead well that stage yeah. of the game. And
0: yeah. I remember how, having to learn this as a runner. Uh, yeah. you know, in, in athletics that just muscular development yes. requires the rest. combination of stress and rest. Yes, It's actually a rhythm of stress and rest, not a rhythm of stress and more stress and increased stress and layer, layer on the stress and more stress. And... A runner that tries to do intervals seven days a week will break. Yeah. And, and to, to, to embrace from a physiological perspective The union of stress and rest, if I can apply that to my soul, if I can apply that to my heart, that my heart actually needs that rhythm for its optimum growth, development, and flourishing. Wow. Um, Let's talk about the third challenge. And I would say for a lot of us around the church, this is probably underappreciated. I'll say that this was the one listening to your talk again at, at vision night, the the one that would be the most real time, I think convicting and important for me to focus on. And that was the challenge of healing. Yeah. Talk about that from a a church and life perspective in your mind.
1: Well, the presupposition behind behind the challenge of healing is that as you, (coughs) as you, as you love and serve and perhaps lead people, you will get hurt along the way. Uh, Someone will say something gossipy, something unfair. You will uh, uh, find that someone who used to be central to your life just kind of migrates out and you can't figure it out. And you feel a little bit abandoned, underappreciated. You're asked to do a task and then someone swooped in and did it for you or steamrolled over you. And so the more someone throws themselves into loving and serving others, I think the more they put themselves out there In a way where they can be uh, hurt, we call it door dings, like when a car pulls in too close and someone opens their door and dings up. You know, I say in ministry there are door dings if you're going to love people well. And so I think that I think Jeff that um, we try to become experts at the wrong thing because getting hurt hurts. We try to become experts at not getting hurt when we should become experts at healing. And so uh, I think one of the best pathways to healing is a daily recognition of my need for grace. I trespass. God has forgiven me. I fall short. God's grace abounds to me. How can God's grace abound to other people through me? And so it's kind of a grace in, grace out, mercy in, mercy out, love in, love out, forgiveness in, forgiveness out. Uh, But I think people in ministry are... When a major hurt happens, I, 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 uh, what I'm talking about here is someone that throws himself into a church, you know, miles from here and ends up going through a church split. Yeah. Or a dearly beloved pastor leaves. And it's this quake where you go, I didn't, I thought that if I loved people well, I wouldn't hurt like this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes loving means you will hurt. Yeah. And so um, the challenge of healing is just recognizing that. And rather than becoming cast iron distant, the vow we want to make is, I will never put myself out like that again, right. and say, "No, gracious God, give me the strength and grace to
0: continue to invest, even when investing feels a little, uh, little unsafe." Yeah, I think for our members, this is a good one to camp out on because you know, even beyond ministry leadership, like a life of faith that is uh, all in, yeah. and done in pretty hyper community pretty yes. close, intense community, yes. is ripe for dings. Yes. All in, in community, is ripe for dings. I mean, you're all in financially. You're all in with your time. You're all in with your passion. You're all in with the very best that you have to give to God and the church. Being all in as a fallen, broken person, in close community, whether they're fallen, broken people, is gonna, is gonna result in dings. And I, I think at one level, just to say out loud how commonly and painfully we can be dinged in church yeah. is something that's probably worth acknowledging, not just to say it, but on the road to addressing healing. Because I think at one point we, we, we forget just that. Well, and I,
1: we use language sometimes that sets somebody up for a false expectation. And the language we use is, we want our church to be a safe place to grow. I yeah, yeah. go, awesome. And then C.S. Lewis in his book, The Four Loves. And speaking of loves, saying there is no such thing as a safe investment. So, yes, we want this to be a safe place to grow. Don't think that when, you, you know, so I, I shared my feelings with her. I shared this uh, detail of my life with her, and she shared it with four other people. Yeah, yeah. And you go, well, that wasn't safe. And you go,
0: you know, that's just relationships said to our board once, you know, we were we were reflecting on someone who had left the church ah. and, you know, when someone leaves the church in the, in the, again, the close community and the covenantal dynamic yeah. that especially at, as a membership, we're kind of committing to this way of life and this yeah. cause of Christ together, uh, you know, you feel them every time. Yeah. And I, and I made this kind of offhand. It was almost a joke that I, I intended to share with the board in, in kind of comparing that feeling to a spousal separation. And I, and I said to our board, I said, you know, when I think about in, for, for me, you know, some two decades of ministry, yeah, I've probably been divorced <laughs> a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that was the comment. I said, I've, I've probably been divorced yeah. a thousand times. And all of a sudden, as it was coming out of my mouth, I realized there's way more healing that you need to pay attention to. Yeah. and well, When church-
1: someone says, you know, we need to look for another church, it's not you. It's not you. We just need to date other churches. <laughs> right.
0: I feel broken up with. Like, you know. Well, be, because because the church isn't some yeah. inanimate object institution. Yeah. It's humans. It's hearts. It's a it's a community. And and I've heard people say, oh, you know, you shouldn't take this stuff personally. Everybody takes this personally. That's the point of being all in and yeah. being in community together. And you know that the inverse is, and you know, I've been divorced a thousand times, sort of sort yeah. of thing you know, how many thousands of people have had to live in my wake, in the wake of other leaders, in the wake of other decisions? Like the the in twenty years the dings yeah. would be you know, it's like if 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 it's, I had the it scroll, looks like a demolition it, it, derby. Uh, it looks like a demolition derby after a while. Yeah, what was that old hymn? You know, if I had all the ink and all the parchment, yeah. You know, yeah could, the love could of I, God. Yeah. yeah. Could I could I record <laughs> the love of God fully? Uh, the The laundry list of dings is just it. It's incalculable in intense all in community life. Period. Yeah. And so I loved what what you've challenged us in and what you challenged me in rather than focusing on how to orient your life and heart to get hurt less yeah actually orient your life and heart to heal more and better yeah that 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 statement i would say of the of the four challenges to me today is is probably the most helpful in the long haul 40 50 year vision yeah. of doing ministry and doing all in faith and Jeff, community this is together. what
1: happens. Often someone won't quit ministry, but they will become cast iron, unapproachable. Another human being only gets in so far. Um, and the ideal is for us to be receptive and gracious, not because we've never been hurt, but because we've been hurt and made the decision by God's grace to continue to love and serve.
0: I would say for those of us listening, if if emotionally you've resigned mm. without formally resigning. Yeah. yeah, we quit before we notify yeah. our team leader. <laughs> yeah, you know, let 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 the spirit of God just sink into your heart right now and say, Am I moving towards protecting my heart of hurt? Yeah. Or am I moving towards healing? Because this place, gang, this is a ding factory. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as fallen, broken people trying to be all in full out for Christ in close community, we're going to continue yeah. to ding and ding and ding. And the laundry list of dings is going to just continue to grow. We got to learn healing more than we've got to learn heart protecting. Yeah. That's, 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 that's huge. huge. Um, final challenge. You talked about the challenge of identity. Uh, this was really rich as well. Walk us through just the, the, the thinking behind that challenge.
1: Well, I love the way that Paul, the Apostle Paul, begins his letter to believers in and around the city of Ephesus, where he says, in love, the God of the universe adopted you to be his kids. And says, according to his pleasure and will, which is kind of like, why did he adopt you? Because he wanted to. And th- that is at the very beginning of Paul's letter to the Ephesians before he tells them to do anything, before he gets into any behavioral correction, before he uh, encourages them with areas of obedience, he says, listen, I just want to remind you who you are. I just want to remind you who you are. I just want to remind you who you are. You are God's chosen kids, and he loves you dearly. Uh, That challenge of identity To have that form, the the core of who I am, is not my title at work, it is not my model of automobile, it is not the house that I dwell in, my address and how large or fancy it is. When I return to that again and again and again and again as my core identity, it gives me a vantage point to love and serve others faithfully, because I am one who is deeply, deeply loved. Uh... In my journaling exercise, I do the three gratitude thing almost every day. I try to do a heart check. How's my heart today? Jeff, there's something else I do. I end almost every journal entry by saying, this is Jeff, the son you love. Or a variation of that. This is Jeff, your treasured son. This is Jeff, the son that you adore. I don't do that to remind God. <laughs> yeah. I do that to remind me. This is who I am. What that means is, uh, I don't get my identity from my car, baby. I bring my identity to my car. I bring my identity to my house. I bring my identity to my ministry, rather than trying to, as a hungry, hungry
0: soul, trying to milk an identity from my ministry. Awesome. I hope that we're we're tracking again with just the value of the discipline yeah. that it takes to, to Access that reminder. We're not going to be reminded throughout the day of that automatically, yeah. right? It, it takes a quiet space.
1: Uh, it just takes some quiet space. to. I need to remember once again, before I blast into my day and inflict myself on those around me, who
0: am I? I am the loved one. This is, this is the value of the be still yeah. and know yeah. that I am God, that you are loved, that you're the beloved of God. Yeah. And then out of that, bring that to your work, rest, well, play. Well, uh,
1: the, the, your adopted child is Ephesians 1. You do Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And it's uh, be imitators of God. That's That's an easy one. Just imitate God. But then it says how? It says as God's beloved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us. And so in both both verse one and verse two of Ephesians five, there is this, you receive and you give, you receive and you give. When we go into our day and we're trying to love people well uh, in whatever means, through leading them well, through encourage them, through bringing loving correction, um, bringing that from a posture and a foundation of a deeply loved person is radically different than seeing that person as an object and just trying to get out of them something that we need. That's amazing.
0: Um, want to shift gears now again and uh, just kind of have some high-level, sort of big-picture reflections yeah. on 35 years in ministry. Wow. So this is you just kind of mentoring me and us for a, mm. a few minutes on 35 years of ministry experience. Let, let's play the If I Knew Then What I Know Now game. Wow, okay. Um, what's been your greatest satisfaction, 35 years in a life of ministry? Greatest satisfaction. Greatest satisfaction
1: um among my greatest satisfactions would be um other individuals growing and taking on massive responsibilities uh yesterday my son uh, alex is uh just turned 29 alex texted me and said aaron killed it today aaron's our youth pastor who spoke yesterday in my absence I texted back. There's no greater delight in my life than seeing Aaron grow as a communicator. And so, um, Rich, that I happened to be traveling with this weekend, hired him as our worship arts director, moved from uh, Colorado to Michigan over the last six years, seeing him take on new responsibilities and step up again and again. His wife, Ash, has become our worship leader, uh, director of our worship leaders at church. And so uh, increasingly, I'm speaking here from a man of mid-50s, the greatest achievements that I have has to do with seeing others achieve. And the greatest uh, fulfillment I
0: have is seeing others find fulfillment in meaningful ministry. Uh, Opposite question, uh, greatest heartache or disappointment?
1: A greatest heartache would be people that we have seen uh, come to faith in ministry, grow in ministry, be discipled in ministry, and then you learn, yeah, she just separated from him last week for reasons that aren't, and you just go 25 years of investment in seeing them come into the church and get into a small group and then make decisions that you just really go, oh you know, what happened there. And so, um, I think it would be the, the pain of investing and then experiencing people that you love and have cared for uh, making highly consequential long term decisions, uh, that cause you someday to go, is this a waste of time? You know, did, uh, Is this in, in Galatians where Paul says, do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll receive a harvest if you do not give up. Why is he writing that? I think that he's writing that because... People who awaken to a life of service and go, now I'm going to invest again. Now I'm going to invest again. Now Today I offer my life again to God. Today I offer my life again to God. There are certain disappointments that come along the way where you go, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And so uh, do not grow weary. Don't get tired of doing good. And so it's interesting that the disappointments that I would point to are not the massive organizational we wanted to build that building and didn't. That kind of stuff doesn't measure over time as much as the the people who
0: tank or make consequential decisions. And you just wish they hadn't. Yeah. You know. Spoken like a true spiritual parent. No. Um final one, your your greatest learning or maturing. How is the 35 year ministry veteran, Jeff Mannion, different no. than the 21 year old Jeff Mannion?
1: Oh my goodness. Um I think I was immature as a 21-year-old. And not only am I saying that I was 21 and acted like I was 21. There were times when I was 21 and acted like I was three. And um, I've learned over time, I've matured over time, number one, that uh, every every weekend does not have to carry the weight of the seventh game of a final athletic series. Mm -hmm. Like everything is high stakes all the time. And uh, I, I used to be higher and lower depending upon the attendance that week, the offering that week, the who showed up on time that week, whether the music person did what they needed to do. And so I just experienced a lot of ups and downs that were circumstantial. And now I think I'm just more level in realizing that We've got a lot of weekends. There's a lot of growth. And so I think I'm more patient with the process. Mm-hmm. Um, this thing about identity, Jeff, for me is huge. Uh, mm-hmm. I attached my identity way too much at the beginning to the church as an organization. And so when a person was f- failed, I felt it was me they were failing. When a person did something that I thought was ridiculous, I felt that they made me look ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I was very hard to work around in the early days up to the middle of of our ministry because i took people's inconsistency or failure as a personal attack on on me and it was because i could not separate myself from ada bible church we were one and the thing about identity with christ is that i don't get my identity from my church i bring my identity to my church and hopefully as a 56 year old i'm bracing for the day when i can sometime in my 60s, probably go, I need to step down as a senior pastor. I won't retire. I'll go into my second career, uh, mentoring, speaking, writing, whatever that happens to be. But I hope that I can let go and not feeling like I am over and I am done and I am finished because I no longer pastor this church.
0: Um, Final question here. Uh, You've spent a weekend with us here in Canada. Uh, you're new to this country, this culture, this church, for sure. Um, Any just impressions or challenges or encouragements that you want to share to our membership? Yeah,
1: impressions. Winter sports were on every TV at the uh, hotel. I mean, literally, I say, yeah, curling. I only see it during the Olympics. It's actually on playing right now. Uh, I love the spirit, Jeff. Uh, I love the... um, strategy of not just having what we would call community engagement be an appendage to the church, but pulled into the heart of of the church. Um, Here at the St. Catherine's campus, the shelter being part of the church building. Jeff, I've never seen anything like this where the lifeblood of the Church is so melded with uh, a desire to reach out to others. That has been refreshing. You're so far ahead of us on this. And I enjoyed uh, speaking here and meeting with leaders, but what we're taking away is immensely greater than what
0: whatever we've been able to bring. That's in your opinion, because what you've been able yeah. to deliver to us has been, mm. uh, and I said this at the Vision Night Service, like corner turning mm. for us. We've sensed you know in advance of this ministry year the 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 call of god to just hunker down to a greater degree of faithfulness in our personal lives wow. with christ in our ministry areas you know as a as a set of staff you know we've had this rally cry called make work our favorite and let's yeah. let's just be faithful <laughs> in the jobs that we've been freed up yeah. to do And you've been such an incalculably significant voice. We appreciate you. We appreciate your church and uh, just are grateful that you spent this weekend investing in us. Thanks so much. Oh, what a joy. What a
1: joy. Jeff, thank you so much, man.
0: Gang, thanks for visiting us again. Uh, We'll see you next week as we continue finding our way. Take care.